we welcome into the program from Kansas 247 Sports, Fog.net. We say hello to Michael Swain. Michael, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you guys again for having me on. Hey, appreciate your time today. Uh, we were, we've were been talking about it all morning long. The, uh, the, the, the game last night, Kansas and Texas, uh, it, it almost looked like they ought to issue helmets and shoulder pads. That was a physical Big 12 basketball game. 100%. I think I tweeted during the game last night that it was basically an SEC football game in basketball form. And I think the way they officiated it in the first half where, you know, Dave McCormick picks up two fouls, it seemed like things were a little touchy. And then as the second half went on, they just kind of let him play. And in the end, that was a probably the most physical game Kay's been a part of this season. And you look at the stretch they've had over the last two weeks where you play against an uber-talented Kentucky team. You go on the road to play Iowa State. You come home, play Baylor, and now you got to go on a short turnaround and play Texas. I mean, that's one heck of a way to cap a, uh, a really tough stretch like that. So, really physical game. That was really surprising, honestly. I thought it would be, you know, in terms of scoring, you look at it at 79-76, and with the way the game was played, you feel like it would be one of those kind of high 50s, low 60s type mm-hmm. of games. How does anybody in this conference – figure out a way to separate themselves from the rest of the conference? Uh, you know, it's tough because I think you look at KU's schedule and you looked at last night as one of those opportunities to because the way that this kind of last two weeks have gone where you, you get the good win over Baylor, then you have a two-game advantage over them. You obviously beat Texas on Big Monday, uh, what was it, maybe two weeks ago. Um, and last night was an opportunity. But I think you look at the schedule for KU and – it does lighten up. You get both Oklahomas now over the next week, then you play West Virginia, Kansas State, before you go down to Waco. So for KU, it is manageable. Um, you do have to go and win those games, though. And I think if the Big 12 has shown us anything this season, is you can't really count on wins night in and night out because everyone is just so good. I mean, West Virginia is basically bottom of the conference, and that team is not going to go down easy either. So I think Texas Tech also has a pretty easy run in what I've seen. I know Baylor has some tough games ahead as well. So um, I think it's one of these where it's going to come down to kind of the final week or two, and I think that that game in Waco will probably do a lot in deciding it. Michael, I, I think for me, watching last night, it was interesting to see how Texas kind of gave Kansas some of their own medicine because when the Jayhawks were facing Baylor, a lot of their success came in transition points, and last night they were only able to get six against Texas while the Longhorns had like 24. Yeah, you nailed it. I think that's where the game was won and lost, and uh, I think for – you look at Texas, right, and what they've done all season is turn guys over. And granted, every team in the Big 12, it seems like, ranks in like the top 25 and, and turnover percentage on defense. But they did a really good job of it. And I think KU recently has had some turnover issues. I think they had 13 in the first half against Iowa State last Tuesday. Um, obviously played really well against Baylor on Saturday. But turnovers have been an issue for this team, especially without you know an abundance of ball handlers with Remy Martin not playing. Um, Dewan Harris is playing way too many minutes, and Bill Self has said as much that Dewan Harris should not be playing, you know, 36, 37, 38 minutes a game. He should be more in that kind of high 20s, low 30, you know. But I think that the lack of ball handlers really contributed to that. But you're right. It was a huge contrast from the Baylor game. Um, but this is something that, you know, KU has really done a few times on the road this season. So it wasn't necessarily a huge surprise, but I do think that's where the game was won and lost. Visiting with Michael Swain from 247 Sports. Michael, you uh, you mentioned the Baylor game on Saturday. Take take us back to that game. Uh, obviously, the, the, the loss to Kentucky at home, that didn't sit well with Bill Self and his basketball team. And I realize that they played a, a midweek against K-State on the road, but that was their first opportunity back home in, in Allen Fieldhouse 
could you sense before the game that that was a team that you know kind of had their jaw locked and they were ready to go? Uh, you know, in general, this team does a really good job of responding, and I think Bill Self has talked about it too, where they relish the moment. And I think for them, the opportunity to bounce back from what was a lackluster performance intensity-wise against Kentucky. Kentucky came out, hit Kansas in the mouth, and Kansas didn't necessarily have the punch back. And again, Bill Self talked about that. And I think that you saw a team come out on Saturday that said, we're going to go punch Baylor in the mouth. And Baylor wasn't the team that responded that time. And I think the, the turnovers early, getting it in transition really helped. And I mean, it's Allen Fieldhouse, right? And you give them a chance to get loud in there. And then all of a sudden it kind of snowballs for teams. And granted, it hasn't snowballed for Baylor like that. You know, Scott Drew talked about it in three or four years, but I think that that's a KU team that came out wanting it, forced the issue early, and was able to kind of build that lead. And I think, you know, Baylor without Cryer, I think that's just a tough kind of recipe for them to try and come back. Is this Jayhawk team gelling at the right time? I know last night they fell to Texas, but, I mean, this team has really started to come together and, and making some strides as we head toward tournament time. Yeah, it seems like they found their identity, at least in terms of who, kind of who they are offensively, you know. You look on the defensive end, and that's kind of where they've struggled at times. But they figured some things out. It seemed like, you know, before last night at least. But I think, you know, you give up twenty, what was it, you know, twenty-four points off turnovers. I mean, it's tough to really judge a team defensively when, you know, the opposing team is getting out in transition so much. Now the question is going to be, where does Jeremy Martin fit in all this? Because he's missed. He's going to end up missing about two, two and a half weeks with this knee bone bruise that he's kind of dealt with on and off since December. So. I think that's kind of the last key to this puzzle is where will Remy Martin fit in when he comes back? You know, he started uh, the first chunk of the season. Then when he suffered the injury, came back, was coming off the bench. And then it's just a question of kind of where does he fit? Is he starting? Then who comes off the bench then in that case? And so I think that's another domino that they're going to have to fit in. But again, the schedule gets a little lighter here. So I think it's a good time for them to maybe try and reintegrate him. Michael, as we get geared up to head into March Madness, for me, I mean, basketball over the past few years has obviously become more guard-oriented and driven, but when you look at the landscape uh, this year, it seems like your top teams, your Auburns, your Gonzagas, uh, Purdue, they all have sound big men, and it's like we're kind of not necessarily going back, but it feels like this year having a solid big man is going to be play a role in who wins the national championship. Is that something you're seeing? And as far as Kansas goes with that, McCormick, it seems like he's a little banged up right now. I could be wrong, but just watching him, he doesn't look 100%. Is, is that what you're sensing? Yeah, starting with McCormick, yeah, he is banged up. Um, he had foot surgery in the offseason, and Bill Self kind of didn't mention it at all um, over the course of kind of non-con in the first month of conference play, but I think maybe late last week, Bill Self kind of mentioned that, hey, you know, Dave's not 100% with the foot right now. And, uh, man, 6'10", 7-footers with foot injuries, that's just not a good recipe for, you know, any sort of success consistently during the course of the season, right? Because that's so tough to manage and get back from. Um, As for the broader perspective, I think in general, in March, you need a focal point. And big men tend to be the focal point, but guard play can also be that focal point. I think you look at maybe that really, really good Kansas team in the in the season that got kind of canceled because of COVID, you know, they had two of those guys, right? You had Devon Dotson and you look at Zabuki, where now it seems like KU's a lot more wing dominant, right? You had Ojai Baji, Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson. You know, those are probably KU's three best players um, without Remy Martin, and we'll see what happens with Remy Martin. So I think you need a really good Dave McCormick to get far in March. 
I think you saw last night that there's a huge drop-off between Dave McCormick and Mitch Lightfoot and K.J. Adams because, man, Mitch Lightfoot's my age. Like, he went to college when I started going to college, and I'm two years removed from college now. And Mitch Lightfoot's ceiling is a, a good role player, but he should not be your second big off the bench. So I think that's a tough position for KU to have a, a banged-up Dave McCormick and then have kind of a big drop-off between him and the next guy. So it's going to be make for an interesting dynamic, you know, going into March because I just don't know if KU can survive if McCormick A gets hurt or B gets in foul trouble. You mentioned Abaji, uh, only seven field goal opportunities last night in, in just 11 points. Yeah, I don't know what to think of that. You know, Texas basically said from the get-go, all right, Ochai, you know, you're going to have to work incredibly hard for any sort of shot you're going to get. And I think then KU was like, okay, we're going to play four on four and use that space. And I thought they did a really good job. You know, teams don't score 1.2, 1.1 something points per possession against Texas. And that's what KU did last night. So I think offensively um, it was fine. And I think that you're kind of just looking at the turnovers and some of the shot making that Texas did have as the reasons why KU lost. But I think you're going to see a lot more of that now. Ochai is one of the National Player of the Year candidates and has been really, really good this season and taken over games. And so, of course, teams are going to look at him and say, all right, you are not going to beat us. Other guys can, and they tried to do that last night with Texas, and they had some success. Michael, something that kind of got brought up yesterday on the show, and it got brought up really, it started in the broadcast of the Kansas-Baylor game, was looking at those two as becoming a rivalry uh, and I know that traditionally Kansas we, – we know Kansas runs the Big 12 traditionally, uh, but with the success of Baylor last year, you have the national championship, and we know what Scott Drew has, has got here with the foundation. Is Kansas-Baylor a rivalry? Is this something that could become a rivalry from a Kansas perspective? Oh, I think so. Um, I think you need a fiery moment to create kind of that – you know, blood boiling sort of, uh, I don't like the word hatred, but dislike between the two programs. And it's interesting because there's a lot of respect between the two programs. That's for sure. You know, Bill Self said Baylor has been the standard of the big 12 over the last 18 months. And that's saying something from Bill Self's perspective. Uh, so I do think that as time goes on, that this will probably develop into something like that, especially with a team like Texas leaving the conference where, Bill Self and Chris Beard, those two teams are always in just the the wildest battles in terms of physicality and, and level of play. So I think you are looking at, you know, Baylor is going to be competing. And the question, of course, is going to be, you know, can they sustain on the recruiting trail? I mean, they showed it last year. You get Kendall Brown, you know, a five-star guy that KU wanted. Um, I think that's a big deal. And so I think as time goes on, this probably does develop into some sort of rivalry. But I think you need kind of one of those uh, flashpoint moments to create kind of th- that uh, blood boiling between the two fan bases. Michael, man, we appreciate your time. Uh, what are you working on uh, right now for uh, for two four seven Sports and Fog dot net? Yeah, gonna look at kind of what in the world happened uh, last night, where you know KU finishes the first half uh, getting outscored five nothing, and finishes the game getting scored out uh, outscored seven nothing. So, kind of looking at kind of what in the world happened at the end of the game and end of the half for KU last night. Hey, man, we appreciate your time. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate you. You bet. That is Michael Swain from uh, 247sports.com.